This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, your host. Our goal and mission at Parent Footprint is to create a more loving world with more compassionate people, one parent and one child at a time. Here at Parent Footprint, we believe the way to and key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to do the same, to strive for happiness, health, engagement, and awareness in our own lives. We believe that awareness is the foundation to creating a vision of successful parenting, your own vision of successful parenting, what you want to leave, the footprint you want to leave for your children and grandchildren. Today's show, the title of today's show is called The Homework Wars. For those parents out there, I know this is ringing true. The Homework Wars. And we have an expert in the homework wars who wrote this amazing book called The Homework Strike. Greg Pincus is with us today to talk to us about this fascinating, enriched, and often painful topic for us parents. Let me tell you a little bit about Greg. He's a novelist, a poet, a screenwriter, a blogger, a speaker, and a social media consultant. He and his work have been featured in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and blogs and websites all around the globe. His latest novel, which we're talking about today, The Homework Strike, grew from a childhood fascination with oddball laws sparked by a book he ordered from a Scholastic Book Club flyer. And that's where Strike itself, this book, eventually came to be. It's fulfilling a childhood dream of his, and you all need to know this. He bats and throws righty. Greg, that's very important for us to know about you. I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh, Greg, so the homework, the, where did this, where did this, this book came from your childhood fascination, partly, and uh, partly from probably a lot of other places. Tell us. Yeah. And I mean, so one of the first inspirations was that I did order a book from a Scholastic Book Club flyer of oddball laws. I, I can still remember it was called You Can't Eat Peanuts in Church uh, by Barbara Sewling. And it was full of all these obscure laws that had once been on the books and were either no longer on the books or some of them actually still existed. And they were things like, you know, you can't eat peanuts in church in some town in Florida or in California, you were not allowed to open an orange in a hotel room. And I've been endlessly fascinated by laws like this and not, you know, even as an adult I was, and I ran into a law that existed in California that uh, was on the books for a number of years. And I will just read you the very end of this law. Uh, no pupil under the age of 15 years in any grammar or primary school shall be required to do any home study. 
homework oh. was illegal in California in the early 1900s for more than a decade. And I was fascinated by that. And I'd held on to that idea and that knowledge for an incredibly long time, looking for a story to tell with it. And clearly homework and school and watching my own kids and watching others struggle with this. And as a parent, trying to understand how this all fit in was another part of the uh, inspiration for it. Plus, I, I love tales of the underdog. Uh, you know, people who want their voice to be heard and, and how do you make that happen? How do you advocate for yourself in a world where it's really hard to do so? So those things kind of coalesce. Yeah. And Gregory Kay, everyone who has to read this book, Gregory Kay, you are rooted. He's, he is the, 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 the protagonist in this book. And um, I don't know, maybe a little coincidence has a similar name to you, Greg. But he, he <laughs> is... Um, you are rooting for this guy because he is so passionate. He is so thoughtful. And in a sense, um, like he's kind and he's, he's righteous about what he believes in. But his righteousness is based in, in good values. And, and you're just cheering for him to figure out how to deal with this homework thing um, in the face of tons of adversity at the school and uh, adult level. Yeah, and I think some of, one of my favorite reviews of this said it puts the civil in civil disobedience um, hmm. because he he does he does go on strike, but I, I I find that he's it's rooted in a place of good and of wanting to be understood and of understanding all the different perspectives that go into something like homework because it's not just a kid issue; it's teachers, it's parents, it's the whole school system, it's everything. And how do you break that apart into something manageable? Mm -hmm. And and just to set the stage a little bit um, to tease the listeners is this this awareness that Gregory has that I think we've all experienced ourselves and seen with our kids that homework is taking up so much time that there's not enough time for pursuits of passion and interests. Yeah, and that's definitely true. And and it takes different kids different amounts of time, depending on what the assignment is with the idea that it's, you know, they, they talk often about the 10 minute rule, 10 minutes per grade level, but 10 minutes for me is very different than 10 minutes for someone else, the amount I can accomplish. And it changes from subject to subject. So it eats up time for kids in different ways and keeps them from so many other potentially enriching activities. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of it, for Gregory, it's heartbreaking. Um, and that's what inspires him to move forward and, and to try to solve the problem. What have you heard from parents in reading this strike, the book about the strike? Because it really does. Gregory's parents had to dig deep to decide what how they were going to handle this situation as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really challenging situation because. Uh, I was certainly, you know, first of all, I was built for school, so homework was never an issue, but I was taught the importance and the value of it. And of you can see, oh, in theory, like if I do this, it's about all these skills that I'm going to learn from it. And that's true in an ideal sense. And what I've heard mostly from parents with this book is from parents of kids who do not live in this ideal sense, where homework is a struggle beyond just, oh, no, I have to spend another hour doing work. But in many cases, the the battles, the energy it takes to do that, the things it takes away from within the family and for the child itself, I found a lot of very sympathetic parents who were looking for something like this to be able to help themselves figure out how to support their kids in this. I mean, in theory, homework is one of the ideas behind it is that it gets 
parents involved in their kids' work, particularly in elementary school, because it's going to be interactive. And of course, that presumes that there is a parent around who is even able to help with the work. Mm -hmm. uh, it assumes mm -hmm. a lot of things. But it so often doesn't play out like that. It plays out in power struggles. It plays out in parents feeling inadequate because they don't understand how math is being taught. And it plays out in frustration. And so I mostly have heard from parents who experienced that same frustration. Uh, and they, they too were looking for solutions to the problem, as are their kids. Well, and what's interesting about this notion that homework uh, would create parent-child involvement is when you read a lot of the modern parenting books about how parents are way too involved and everyone's way too stressed out, we have a lot of parents who are actually doing their kids' homework. Some, we could say, um, I think empathically, to help out, like, okay, it's already been two hours. Like, this is not worth these meltdowns. Let's just get mm -hmm. this done. And then others of like, oh, no, we need to get a perfect score to, uh, you know, get into an Ivy League school sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, what's, what's fascinating is that parental values, when I've done uh, – when I've spoken about the book with the mix of kids and parents, it's quite – different how parents and kids view these things. There's many parents who view it exactly as you're saying that like, well, it's got to be done and it's got to be done right. There are some who are empathetic and just like, well, this has taken too long, but they need to get the grade and they've worked enough to get the grade. And there, I don't know that it's actually a generational thing, but there's a definite perspective shift from how a child views it to how a parent tends to view it. And for someone like you, who it sounds like schoolwork and homework came fairly naturally, is it? did it take your own experience with your own kids or other looking around at other experiences to see the, the disconnect that was happening? It certainly started with my own kids, um, for whom homework was not an easy thing. I mean, I... Homework was not a problem for me. I was one of those kids, you know, who was like, yep, okay, here's a math worksheet. Great. Lovely. Um, my own kid's not the same, and I also – I was a volunteer elementary school librarian at my kid's school, and I got to know a lot of the kids, and they would sometimes be in the library working on homework, or I would see them around the school. And I saw from talking to them and from talking to parents that this was a repeated issue that it turns out that, no, in fact – not everyone can just sit down with a sheet of multiplication problems and just do them. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, child's play. But it wasn't. And all homework turns out to be similar to that. And there's also many kids were bored by certain homework assignments. It was things mm -hmm. they already knew. It wasn't teaching them. So why stick with this? And what lessons are we teaching them from that. And so it was really in the crucible of looking at other kids, my own and, and others, and realizing that this thing that I had always just assumed was easy, that was anything but. Mm hmm. Did. So when you're talking to schools, uh, kids at schools, which means that uh, schools have actually invited you theoretically to sometimes, be there. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, are, do you find that teachers and administrators are open to looking at this thing called homework? I do in general. I mean, I find that teachers, you know, are quite often ridiculously overwhelmed with the amount of work that they have to do to take care of classes that are too large. And they are used to giving homework, but quite often grading it is a problem. And quite often they have a sense that what they really need to do is individuate for all their students because not everyone is the same. But how in the world do you have time for that? Um, administrators I've found, and I haven't talked to as many in person, but online and via email I've heard as well, that they are 
looking at many are looking at this holistically i mean there's there's stories almost every week of another school that's dropping homework or an elementary school that's removing homework because it doesn't always work you can see that people aren't making the progress that you expect and that the teachers aren't having enough time to do other things which also means that the students aren't having enough time to do those other things and how do you how do you manage that i mean it's a fascinating problem because in most cases no one's the bad guy in this situation, right? Everyone is on the same page of they want the best outcome for the child, mm -hmm. uh, for each kid. But this thing that we are so used to doing, giving homework to reinforce or to, for whatever reason, turns out not to have the effect that we think. And that's very difficult to accept, I find, that, mm -hmm. that it doesn't do these things that we're convinced, we're so convinced that they do. And I thought what was interesting, uh, how you portrayed Gregory Kay, is, you know, on the one hand, grades matter a lot, and grades matter for um, for having privileges and getting to go do stuff. And, you know, households have their some requirements that you have to at least get this to get this. And there was stress. He had a lot of stress when he wasn't meeting those uh, that, that, that marker. Then on the other hand, when he made a decision – that he needed to go on strike, he actually felt relief, like relief in, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm making a choice, if I have more time. And so I think psychologically, it was very interesting to see how he almost, he had more enjoyment in life once he shifted his mindset, even though, of course, there were consequences to that mindset. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's definitely true. I mean, I think that the idea of kids feeling ownership, first of all, is is not something that kids really get a ton of because, you know, we adults know best is the is the theory, right? And mm -hmm, so they're in mm -hmm. school and everything is told what they're going to do. And there's some freedom within it, but you don't really have the option of saying, oh, no, I'm not going to do this homework assignment. I'm going to do that one instead. Um, so if, when he makes a decision and takes ownership and is doing something for himself, I think it's a real sense of empowerment and that the consequences of it, which are quite real, um, and not really easy, but it becomes, yes, I, there's a logical connection to each consequence to him. He understands how it comes directly from his actions, not actions that have been assigned to him, not, you know, in, in the book, his history teacher gives him a tremendous amount of homework and he just can't keep up with it all along with everything else. And he believes that's why his grades have fallen, even though he's learning the material. And that seems unjust. Whereas the consequences that come to him from the actions he takes feel justified to him. And it's so much easier to deal with things like that than it is to deal with the stress of all these outside forces telling you everything. So I, mm -hmm. he definitely, there's definitely empowerment there. Yeah, I like how you phrase that. I mean, there's empowerment from an internal locus of control, as we say, as opposed to an external one, right? When it's external, mm -hmm. these kids, we feel, there's no control. Like, I, I can't control how much homework I get. I can't, I can't control how um, much extra credit or lack thereof I get. Uh, but I can choose to do this or not to do this. And when I know what the consequences are, most of the time, I, I'm not stepping into an unknown. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's also important that he has a real goal. There's he has a he doesn't just go on strike to stop doing homework. I mean, as one of the other kids says to him, "Yeah, I'll, I'll go on strike with you." He's like, "Well, no, you've never done homework. That's not really the same thing." Gregory <laughs> right, right. has 
he has a goal and he has a purpose. And that's really important when he's like, I'm going to go on strike. And someone says, well, what is it for? And I think, you know, again, it's an action has to have consequence. He, he, and he has to have a goal. And I think he has a reachable goal. Um, you know, the, the, the idea here is not the international change of laws, but he starts mm-hmm. local to try to build a bigger thing. And so he's building towards something. And it's easy in the times when things get very difficult, it's easier for him to be more grounded because he knows what he's working for and what he's working for seems worthwhile to him vis-a-vis the consequences he's currently undergoing. Although it's not always the case. It's hard. It's right. hard. But that control and the goal, I think that combination is critical for kids and and – you know, with homework, I think in general, you don't tend to have either of those aspects. Mm-hmm. So are there ways to empower our kids when they are there fighting the homework wars, which then become often our <laughs> war with them at times? <laughs> uh, and I think, yes, there are. And I think okay. that one of the having – having an ability to – self-advocate is is so mm-hmm. critical for kids and it starts with i really think like how parents and teachers work with them on that telling a kid repeatedly well you have to do your homework and not listening to why they can't or won't doesn't teach them anything useful listening to them and helping them figure out or honoring what they've already figured out uh gives them a sense of what they're doing and some you know the classic example of this would be when you get if you're stuck on your math homework and it's taking you an incredibly long time to do your multiplication worksheets, as an example, but you know your multiplication, it just takes too much time. Well, why are you doing 100 problems? Why not say to the teacher, can I demonstrate to you that I can do this? Can I do 20 problems? And if I get them all right, will that work? Or small steps like that where there's communication with the teacher where you're not disagreeing with them giving this work. You're not saying homework is stupid or there's no reason for this, but you're finding a compromise within it where you feel empowered and you feel listened to. The the student does, the child does. And I think from parents, Mm -hmm. for parents, it's really, I mean, I will only say for me, it was hard at first to accept this idea that I could see that the knowledge was in someone, but the ability to actually do the work the way it was required and in the amount it was required was not actually a fair ask. And so... From a parent point of view, I think so much of it is truly listening and mm-hmm. radically accepting that what you hear is coming from a place of truth and then figuring out how to help manage that. Um, because all kids are going to be different with homework. It really won't mm-hmm. matter to some, but some kids have IEPs and you can really direct within that or a 504 plan. You can really get into the nitty gritty of how homework is going to be done, but not every child has that level of support either. So it really starts, I think, with listening and accepting the difficulty and accepting that kids might not actually get all their homework done, and that's going to have to be okay also sometimes. There mm-hmm. are more important things. It's challenging. Well, I think you're spot on about listening because I, I'm thinking back of an earlier uh, years ago conversation with our son who, of the of the three, um, probably – it despises homework the most. That's maybe there's a close second, but definitely as like has been winning for a long time. And I remember early on when he was upset about homework, and I was 
doing the party line, the party line, right? Which is, well, it's important you do your homework and it uh, reinforces the material and it, uh, you know, teaches you good work ethic for later. I mean, all the, all the good mm-hmm. stuff that mm-hmm. we're trained to do. And I could see the look in his eyes and I, I could see like, I'm like, I'm like losing him or I'm betray. I could tell I was like almost betraying him yeah, yeah. by betraying his experience. And then, I processed that a little bit, and the next time I switched it to, I think, more like what you're saying, it went something like, you know what, I totally agree with you, this homework seems pretty pointless, you've done it three days in a row, and I agree, I don't know how it is going to improve your life in any way that I can see right now. And just the relief on his face, like it didn't change the reality, but it validated the experience, which is what you're talking about. Right. I think totally. And I think, you know, that I kind of went through a similar uh, arc as that, but then it ended up having to go further because it still was the, the, the homework was not going to get done. And I had to accept that there was an issue or a problem that I was not truly seeing, because if you end mm-hmm. up in a power struggle or if you end up with uh, someone in fourth grade upset because of math homework and the attitude that that then creates about school and about their own self-esteem and about their self-efficacy it's 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 a downward spiral that can't possibly you know there's there's no benefit to that and eliminating that is more important than doing homework is what Mm -hmm. i ultimately came to the conclusion of and i think you know as a parent it was hard there's a belief that it's going to teach you all those things that we believe it's going to teach you and that if you don't do it, you'll never learn those things and then you'll never do homework right. later or be able to hold a job because you don't understand. But I haven't actually found that to be the case in, in actuality, that mm-hmm. I think most kids who struggle with homework understand exactly what it's trying to teach. And if they could learn those specific things, well, then they would do it. Then it wouldn't right. be a problem. Then <laughs> that's But mm-hmm. they can't through that method so it becomes really it becomes a negative cycle that's that's critical to avoid well and this whole idea that you're saying is sometimes having to uh be accept or come to be at peace that your child's not going to do their homework for a variety of reasons and the world might not end if that happens right and (laughs) and and do we do we allow that reality to occur um, rather than always stepping in or battling or, you know, we don't have to fix everything. Right. I mean, I think there's an instant desire to try to fix everything, but the reality is that accepting some things can't be fixed and also that the world does. As you just said, the world will go on if they don't, uh, if they don't write that five-paragraph essay exactly right and on time. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think also there becomes this opportunity for the parents and the teachers to become more involved in the issues that this raises and to talk with other parents and with the school and for kids to talk to other kids and to actually have a conversation about this. So much of homework is just, it's rote in the sense that we've been doing it the same way for, well, since this law in California disappeared about a hundred years ago, we've been given homework and Mm -hmm. we have assumptions about it. But when you really dig into whether those assumptions have any basis in research or reality, you find that they don't. And so there's a bigger conversation that can be had that doesn't have to be antagonistic because I do really find that teachers don't want to give busy work. Teachers don't want kids to have no life. Parents don't want kids to have no life or to do busy work. We're really all kind of on the same page, but we're 
entrenched in these positions of, you know, like, that's the way I did it, and it must work. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not the case. And like so many of these parent issues that we talk about, I think we also have to acknowledge the fear that is behind a lot of parental decisions of like what's going to happen if they don't, how is this going to affect their grade, their future? I mean, I feel like us becoming more aware of that is really, really important because a lot of times we have a good rationality of something else other than our own fear that's driving us to, uh, I don't know, to make something happen or make our kids do something. I think that's completely true. When, when, when we actually, with our oldest son, we removed homework via the IEP, basically an almost entirely no homework thing. And it was there was definitely fear that we were creating a, a horrible situation. Like, how would he ever mm-hmm. learn these skills? How would he ever know when homework was going to come back at some point? How would he ever be able to do it? Were we killing his grades with this modification? Were we killing his ability to learn? Instead, we were renewing his ability to love learning and school and not associate it with this negative thing. But there's fear... Anytime you step outside of the norm, I think, and I think mm-hmm. like even just in the homework strike for Gregory, he's out there alone and it's an uncomfortable feeling, even though he's convinced in his heart he is correct and, and it's logical and other people understand that, but they're just not going to take the risk that he takes. So I think we parents, certainly as a parent, every one of these decisions seems so weighty and and critical, whereas... The reality is that that it probably isn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Probably is. Mm-hmm. Well, and your wisdom from your own parenting. What would you say to parents that you've learned by having to, you know, as someone who was really good at homework and sounds like have some kids that maybe don't find the same satisfaction that you did. <laughs> uh, you know, what no. have you learned about this? I mean, I think I well, what I've really learned is that and the. That everyone experiences life differently, and and you know I have to put aside my own experience in the world and listen carefully to the one that's unfolding in front of me, because to not do that means that I'm applying the wrong frame of reference to my kids and to this specific mm. situation. Which doesn't mean that if one of my kids would ever say, "I don't really want to do this homework assignment," that I would say, "Wow, that's really difficult," and don't do that homework assignment. Um, it's not. It's not about acquiescing. It's about understanding and about really seeing and dropping my own assumptions about how the world works. Um, mm. And to really, I, I mean, the homework strike certainly came from my doing a tremendous amount of research as well on the issues of homework after having watched this and wondering, like, well, why do I believe what I believe? Did it really teach me those things? Did I really learn. I mean, I knew that I was, you know, I was built for school. I really was. And, and that's being lucky. Um, but did it really teach me those things? Does it teach anybody those things? Mm-hmm. And so that was part of the dive down the rabbit hole to really try to understand for myself so that I could then parent more appropriately to what I was actually looking at, not parenting myself as a child. Mm-hmm. That is awareness, Greg. That is awareness. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yes, we're almost to that question. But wait, but before we get to that question, because you just led us there beautifully, is um, I just want to highlight two of the main concepts that I heard you say, and I think is really important uh, for our listeners. One is to listen to our kids when they're telling us something about homework. They really mean it. 
even if it's inconvenient for us to hear, but we need to listen to them. And through that listening, I believe there's validation, which goes to the second thing that I heard you say is about empowering them, right? Like empowering them in their own life to feel like they have some choice or control. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So with that, it is time for the Parent Footprint Moment question where Greg is going to tell us about a time in his life as an individual or as a parent where he became aware and this new awareness had a positive impact on his child or children. And it really does tie into what you had just been talking about before this and and, and what I had been talking about, which is so – I, you know, when you're when you're about to cross a street here in Los Angeles and you press the button and you're waiting for the walk, don't walk signal and there's the red hand that says don't walk and then there's it switches to the the guy that says walk and, and he is white light guy. And I was talking about this with my kids and I said, you know, just wait, it'll turn white. And my older son said, well, it's not white. It's kind of this bluish purple. And I thought, are you no, it's it's white. And then my younger son said, well, actually, I, I often see them as kind of green. Now, now, my younger son has some red-green color issues. Maybe maybe that was it. Uh, but my older son was like, no, it's not white. It's blue and purple. And so he actually went online and, <laughs> you know, got pictures of different – the walking guy and got, bought a bunch of different pictures. And he isolated the colors from them. And, you know, they're all blue, purple, and green. They're not, in fact – white. And so I was uh. thinking about this, that like, I could totally imagine a situation where I've gone shopping and I said, you know, you're over here. I trust you. Just when that guy turns white, just come, come across the street and join me. And they don't. And I go back and I would be upset with them because it's gone through multiple cycles. How could they not have known? Well, their experience of the world, even on something like that, is completely different than mine. Hmm. And while I sort of intuitively had known this and had worked around some of this, this was just such a shocking moment to me that it could be so, so different on so many different levels. And I realized that I had to just completely stop my assumptions and always check myself when I was assuming that the world worked the way for them as it did for me. Because it clearly doesn't even do something like the color of the walking guy, which really is white. I'm positive. I'm positive they're wrong, despite all proof to the contrary. I mean, I must be right. Uh, I'm not. I and, am sure you're right. I am sure you're right. Uh, well, that, you know, I'll send you the picture of all the colors because uh, I think it gets sent to me every now and then when I forget that I'm I'm stuck on my own ego and my own idea of how the world works instead of being open to the fact that maybe it's not like that. And so almost every miscommunication and every problem well, not almost every, but most come down to something like this, where because we're not really seeing the exact same problem the exact same way, we're not going to solve it. And mm-hmm. I'm very stubborn in my belief that I am right sometimes, but there's really nothing that proves me more wrong than just looking at the guy who tells me to cross the street. Um, so it was a really important moment that crystallizes, and I still I still refer myself to that moment whenever there's something that is frustrating or not making sense to me and how we're communicating or how I'm viewing a problem that the truth is that it's something about how we experience the world, not about them just not listening to me being right, because it's not that simple. I love it. From homework to perception, right? Your perception as an individual and a parent is not necessarily the same perception as 
your own children. Wonderful awareness. It is not. It is not. Thank you. Everybody, thank you for listening about the homework wars. Greg has enlightened us about homework, about listening, about empowering, and you have to go out and get this wonderful book called The Homework Strike. You're going to fall in love with Gregory Kay. You're going to love his friends, and you are absolutely going to love, despise, and respect a particular teacher that I'm leaving out <laughs> as just a hanging te- as a hanging teaser because that character is so awesome. Um, Greg, tell uh, tell everyone where they can follow you and find your stuff. Uh, they can they can find me online at gregpincus.com or on Twitter. I'm also Greg Pincus and other places online as that. And the, the books, as they say, are available wherever books are sold, which is very, very exciting. Um, and I am I'm very thrilled. And if you know they happen to get the Scholastic Book Club flyer, I think it's even in there. Um, wow, which is You've which arrived. is really yeah. I have I have. I feel as yes. though I you know it, I don't know that it gets better than that actually. Um, <laughs> so and thank you so much for having me on to talk about this. Dan. Oh, thanks for thanks for being here and uh, taking on this important subject. And for all of you out there, um, good luck uh, this evening, tomorrow, and the rest of your uh, child's schoolhood with homework because it doesn't seem to be going away. And we need to figure out how to empower our kids to deal with it, how to manage our own fears, stresses, and keep raising our kids with awareness about the adults we want them to become and focus on the long vision, and mostly doing this by focusing on ourselves, showing our kids the people we want them to be by engaging in those actions on a daily basis. Thanks for tuning in with us today. Check us out at www.parentfootprint.com. Check out our Parent Footprint Awareness Training, which is designed to help you be the most aware and engaged parent you can possibly be. Keep striving to be the person you want your children to become. Focus on the good stuff. Think about your vision of successful parenting. And as always, think about what footprint do you want to leave?